From KBGA Radio, this is the Missoula Community Weekly Podcast. I'm John Hooks. In our last episode, we brought you a story that looked inside a secretive campaign carried out by a Nevada-based political consulting firm called Advanced Micro-Targeting. Over 19 days in February and March, 13 employees of AMT, including six out-of-state residents, conducted a large-scale effort to collect enough signatures to certify a petition that would place the Montana Green Party on the ballot for the midterm election. Except, the Montana Green Party had no idea this campaign was going on, and they didn't know who these people were. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, we recommend that you go back and listen to it before this one. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else that you get your podcasts. As we were reporting this story, we spent a lot of time searching for information about advanced micro-targeting, trying to learn more about the company and the type of work that they do. But we couldn't find much. Almost nothing, really. A map on their website says that they have 22 states under their reach. They list seven races from between 2014 and 2016 that they call recent victories, and six of those seven were for Republican candidates. But that's pretty much all that they have out in public. In a sworn declaration submitted to a Nevada district court, Billy Rogers, the president and CEO of AMT, claimed the company was one of the nation's best field canvassing organizations. And he even went as far as to say they'd gathered more than a million individual signatures across the country since 2016. And you'd expect that a large organization like that, who worked on that many campaigns and interacted with that many Americans, would be in the news and would have information about them available to the public. But they don't, and that's kind of by design. Because in the type of work advanced micro-targeting does, if you're doing your job well, people don't know you're there. And the campaigns you work on just look like popular grassroots movements signed for by citizens. It's only when things start to go wrong that companies like advanced micro-targeting make the news. And while we were doing our reporting on AMT, we came across a story where things really went wrong a story about state Senate recall campaigns in their home state of Nevada that bears some notable similarities with their work here in Montana. Here's that story. On May 14th, 2016, it seemed like the Nevada Democratic Party was in disarray. The party was gathered to nominate a candidate in the Democratic presidential primary, and tensions flared when supporters of Senator Bernie Sanders loudly protested what they saw as unfair treatment by establishment figures who favored Hillary Clinton. It got so bad that fights broke out and the convention was shut down after an extremely acrimonious 16 hours. But after the general election in November, the fracas of the convention had largely been forgotten about because Democrats turned in an extremely strong performance in the state. Hillary Clinton won a close victory in the presidential contest, a Democrat was elected to hold the U.S. Senate seat vacated by Harry Reid, 
and Democrats managed to flip both chambers in the state house. It was a huge statewide success for Democrats in Nevada, but less than a year later, they were forced into a different kind of fight when Republicans launched cynical recall petitions to try and oust two Democratic state senators who had won narrow elections in 2016 and an independent who caucused with the Democrats. The signatures in those recall petitions were embroiled in controversy when residents of the Senate districts in question filed official complaints against behaviors and tactics used by signature gatherers, behaviors that they claimed were not only undemocratic, but clearly illegal. When all was said and done, the recall petitions were struck down, largely by thousands of Nevadans who had written to their Secretary of State and officially requested to have their names removed from the petition. Those signatures were gathered by advanced micro-targeting. And a week before the signatures they'd collected in Nevada were struck down in court, the Montana Democratic Party filed its own lawsuit in a district court in Helena, challenging the validity of signatures collected in the Green Party petition. Those signatures were also collected by advanced micro-targeting. This week on Missoula Community Weekly, a deeper look into the past work carried out by AMT brings some of their practices into light and raises questions about the nature of their work here in Montana. The state legislature may only meet every two years, but politics is an everyday thing in Nevada, and the politics last week were a bit nasty. In August 2017, two Nevada state senators were caught off guard by some startling news. Both senators, Joyce Woodhouse and Nicole Cannizzaro, were only a few months into their terms, and they'd just been elected in close races in 2016 that helped flip the Nevada State Senate Democratic. But one day, Joyce Woodhouse was talking to a constituent who asked her what she thought about a recall petition that had been filed by citizens in her district to remove her from office. This petition was news to Joyce. And a little later, Nicole Cannizzaro saw on Twitter that she was also a subject for a petition to recall her from office. During the same time period, another petition was filed against Senator Patricia Farley, who was an independent who had left the Republicans to caucus with the Democrats. These senators were frustrated and curious. Woodhouse and Cannizzaro had won their seats in fair elections less than a year before. Farley had been elected in 2014. And they justifiably wondered what they had done in such a short amount of time to warrant a petition for recall. The answer? Nothing at all. Here's John Ralston, a veteran political reporter in Nevada, who explained the situation to Nevada Public Radio's Kerry Kaufman, who you heard earlier. What are the reasons for these recalls? 
Well, the reasons, uh, it's pretty simple. The Republicans have no chance to take back the state Senate from the Democrats in 2018. There are no vulnerable Democrats. There are actually a couple of vulnerable uh, Republicans. So the only way for them to change the map, so to speak, is to knock off some of these uh, Democrats in low turnout special elections, which is why these have been filed. There's no good reason to file a recall. Now, there are no legal uh, uh, specifications for what you have to do, what, what, what kind of malfeasance in office is necessary. You can file a recall after six months as long as you get 25 percent of the signatures of people who voted in the past election. But- in Nevada, citizens don't need a reason to attempt a recall of elected officials. They just need to turn in a petition with enough signatures from registered voters in the district to make up 25 percent of the votes cast in the last election. For those trying to recall Senators Woodhouse and Canizaro, that meant petitioners had 90 days to collect more than 14,000 signatures in both districts. And if you want to gather that many signatures in three months, there's pretty much only one way to do it. 25% of the people who voted in the last election, who voted in 2016, now that was a presidential election, it was a higher turnout. Are they going to have trouble getting to that 25% threshold? It appears they have paid signature gatherers, and, and we've only picked up anecdotal evidence of what they're saying. This is another crazy thing about Nevada carrying the law. The people who are doing this don't have to release the reasons that are on the petition. It's 200 words are required, but they don't have to release those reasons until they file their uh, petitions. And what- the Republicans behind these campaigns efforts called on Billy Rogers and advanced micro-targeting to collect these signatures. But, as you just heard, the scores of canvassers who were sent out to interact with voters didn't have any requirements to state the reasons behind these recall efforts. So the canvassers had plenty of options selling the recall to voters. While they failed to collect enough signatures to certify the petition against Senator Farley, The campaigns to recall Senators Woodhouse and Cannizzaro each turned in between 16 and 18,000 signatures and were later officially certified. But there was a problem. Well, there were a few problems. The first was that, since canvassers didn't have to disclose the official reasons for the petition, they came up with some ways to sell the recall to voters that some people might call creative, but what most people would call misleading. They told voters that Senator Cannizzaro was pocketing money from her constituents without any evidence and that she was pro-felon, despite the fact that she is a criminal prosecutor in her day job. In the Woodhouse petition, they told voters that she was being recalled for voting for a tax increase, despite the fact that that tax increase was proposed by Republican Governor Brian Sandoval and had been passed through the legislature by Senator Michael Roberson and former Assemblyman Steve Silberkraus, the Republicans who've been backing this recall effort. But the most bizarre instance of canvassers spinning this petition became public when a signature gatherer knocked on the wrong person's door last October. I got to tell you something. Uh, Something happened at my door. It was the Friday after the shooting. It was October 6th, and I was really tired, home from a really busy week, and somebody knocked on my door. That's Carrie Kaufman, who hosted Nevada Public Radio's State of Nevada at the time and who we've heard from already. In this story, she talks about a canvasser who initially presented himself to her as part of the Democratic Decline to Sign effort whose sole goal was to get people to avoid signing anything in the recall effort. But this canvasser had a different idea. Here's Carrie talking to Bradley Schrager about this 
He's a lawyer who represented the Democratic senators in these cases. And he had a decline to sign sticker. And I said, oh, uh, I'm a journalist and I don't sign things, but, uh, you know, have a nice day. And he was like, oh, well, um, will you sign that, that you declined to sign? And I just looked at him and went, you're collecting signatures, aren't you? And he kind of got bug-eyed and left. <laughs> and so that was – and I had heard rumors of people being deceived at, at, at doors, but here it was at my Hap- door. Happened to you. Yeah. Happened to me. Yeah. And, and my first question was, is that illegal? And I don't see it really addressed in your lawsuit. Yeah. No, that's an excellent question. And, of course, we heard these two. And, and, and if I can clarify for my own purposes what you're saying is that someone who was gathering signatures for the petition mm-hmm. in, uh, in order to have a recall election was portraying themselves as someone who was asking to stop the recalls. Right. right. So there was a and you know what? Stuff. I only knew that because I knew that – the whole sign was decline to sign. That right. if, if you, yeah. <laughs> right? that would be a you're giveaway. not signing yes. if you do support yeah. them. Um, and and I'm you not, I don't wouldn't sign, be signing an actual you wouldn't right. And I don't sign any anyway. Yeah. So I only knew that because I knew the rules. Uh, otherwise, I would have just thought it was kind of a strange thing. Yeah. No, that's a crime in Nevada. That's a uh, 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 that's a gross misdemeanor um, to misrepresent either the contents or intent of a recall in this state. As you can imagine. Short of catching someone at the door, mm. it is a difficult thing to prosecute because obviously we don't know the identities of those people who are out there. While we have no direct proof that this canvasser in question was working for advanced micro-targeting, it seems very likely. And while every report isn't as brazen or as fraudulent as what happened to Carrie, it's one of the many troublesome reports of misleading canvasser behavior, but they aren't limited to Nevada. In Woodlands, Texas last year, a man named Christopher Gilmore was hired by AMT to do canvassing work that attempted to dissuade voters from supporting a town incorporation. After his work, Gilmore made some startling confessions in a Facebook post where he said he and other canvassers were deceiving and intentionally misleading voters with scare tactics mostly directed toward the elderly. He went on to say that they were instructed to tell voters they were volunteers, and when asked who was funding their organization, they were instructed to tell voters that it came from donations from local donors. All of that was completely untrue. Gilmore ended his post by saying, I intentionally misled the voters of the Woodlands for $15 an hour to do the devil's work. Most of us at the end knew we were misleading voters, but we did it out of desperation for income. I was unable to locate Christopher Gilmore to contact him for this story. While these intentional attempts to mislead voters are definitely concerning, there's an even more worrisome trend that consistently pops up where advanced market targeting campaigns, and that's voter harassment. In the letter of complaint that Nevadans filed against canvassers, they reported signature gatherers knocking on their doors and refusing to leave when they were asked even becoming argumentative and combative. There are even reports from senior citizens in Nevada where, upon being turned away at the door, canvassers moved around and tapped on windows, harassing residents until they signed the petition. In Texas, too, Christopher Gilmore reported that canvassers were instructed to be hostile to the opposition and to antagonize them into acting out. Those are serious accusations, and they show a consistent disregard for what most people would consider ethical practices in civic interactions. And it begs the question, if AMT is, as they claim, 
one of the preeminent field canvassing organizations in the country, why are they willing to accept these behaviors? Here, Bradley Schrager, the lawyer who represented the efforts against the Nevada recalls, explains how this is allowed to happen. The sort of larger issue is that when you when you're a recall proponent, right, when you want to get, gather 17,000 signatures, you're going to hire a vast army of individuals who you send out into the communities with whatever data you have to target whoever you can and with clipboards and all sorts of things. Right, those people are going to be incentivized on some level to get as many signatures as they can, whether it's they're being paid by the signature, whether they're being paid you know, bonuses on, on how many they bring in. I mean, the name of the game is to get signatures. As you experienced, as I'm sure some of your listeners experienced, this was not some sort of political discussion on your doorstep about what this or that senator did or didn't do and why should they, why no. they should be recalled. Right. It was an effort to get your ink on the paper, right. Right, which is what's valuable to the signature gatherer and what's valuable to the recall proponents. I mean, as, as you can imagine, in that sort of atmosphere, there is going to be, let's just say, a certain incentive to gather signatures by any means necessary. This effort cost the GOP or the recall proponents an awful lot of money because they had to pay a lot of people to go out and do these things. They're there to get their money's worth. And the consequences you know, are sort of left to us to clean up in the lawsuit, which is what we're trying to do. In campaigns like the Nevada recall and the Montana Green Party petition, where there's a hard deadline and a limited amount of time to get a lot of signatures, that necessity to gather signatures by any means necessary gets amplified. And according to our reporting, it comes at a cost to voters and canvassers. And importantly, it comes from the top down. I spoke with a canvasser who has worked for advanced micro-targeting on campaigns all across the country, but who refuses to work with the company anymore because of their method of management. He spoke to me on the condition of anonymity, but what he told me was startling. He said that nothing about the reported behaviors in Nevada and Texas surprised him, and that advanced micro-targeting's management style, which he described as yelling louder at canvassers to get signatures, contributes to this unethical process. He said in an email that those kinds of hostile interactions flow downhill and that some people brought into these campaigns are intimidated by people with their eyes on the result rather than the method. That intimidation, the canvasser said, can lead to signature gatherers using harassment and misinformation to gather more signatures, but that no matter the behavior, if it gets you more raw signatures, AMT is cool with it. Here we feel like we should mention that Billy Rogers, who is the president and CEO of AMT and who ran their Nevada recall efforts, was in Montana for the end of the Green Party petition and dropped off petition affidavits in Missoula County. And Cody Pope, who's the state director of Advanced Microtargeting's Green Party efforts in Montana, was also on the executive staff for the Nevada recalls. We hope to get a statement from Billy Rogers through Advanced Microtargeting, but have been unable to make any contact with the company. And while I did get in touch with Cody Pope, he told me that while he has a lot to say about this, he won't be speaking about it at all. These tactics and behaviors that we've reported on seem to have followed advanced micro-targeting across multiple campaigns. But we wanted to know, did they reach Montana? The evidence suggests they did. So yeah, that, uh, but yeah, I mean the whole, you know, on the like actual like practice of it too, it was um, made very apparent to me quickly that whatever you could do would work. 
was what he wanted. I mean, you know, we're going to places that I don't think... Like, I, I really like going to Orange Street because Orange Street allows um, signature gatherers to post up outside. Um, but, you know, I would be sent to other places that, you know, you'd get kicked out within minutes. And it just felt, you know, unethical, I guess is the best way to describe it. But Sort of like a win-at-all-costs type mentality? Yeah, exactly, yeah. No, like, you've got to get these signatures, you know. Like, you've got to get them. Like, it was, it was very much a... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you, you had to do it, and it was, it, it didn't feel great to me, for sure. And that's, you know, I, I think that that, <laughs> it, it, uh, I think it, in that, in of that itself, it, like, kind of disqualifies the ideology. Like, the, you know, when you're coming at it from, like, an ideological aspect, it, like, it doesn't feel great to have to be doing that at all, for sure. That's Michael Cassio who worked on the Green Party petition for advanced micro-targeting here in Missoula, and who we heard from last episode. He described an environment similar to what we've heard about so far. And when I showed him the letter complaining about AMT's canvasser behavior in Nevada, he told me that it seemed in character with his experience with the company. He also told me about an experience with an AMT employee and supervisor who, while collecting signatures at the Missoula Walmart, would follow disinterested shoppers to their cars refusing to take no for an answer and badgering people to sign the petition. And we heard about more reports from Nancy Keenan, who's the head of the Democratic Party in Montana. I mean, let's, let's take a look at that firm for just a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, advanced micro-targeting has a history um, of unethical and potentially illegal campaign practices across the country. And we saw those tactics here. We saw them up front in personal, and we actually had people calling. Um, you know, they folks that were collecting signatures when the person was looking for more information, the, per- the actual person collecting the signature would run away. Hmm. Uh, we, had, uh, we had them, people tell us that they were often misleading. It wasn't an honest uh, broker, if, so to speak, in explaining what the initiative was or what they were trying to do. Um, and most notably, uh, the guy that turned in some signature packets, uh, but the sign then said that he collected those individual signatures right. was in fact a woman was in fact a woman who collected those signatures. So that is just out and out fraud. Mm-hmm. While we haven't been able to independently verify most of those reports, they do seem to fit in with the trend. But we're actively reporting this story, and if you or someone you know signed the Green Party petition earlier this year, we'd like to hear about your interactions with signature gatherers. If that's you drop us a line at media at kbga.org. While these tactics and behaviors of harassment and misinformation are definitely concerning, in most cases, they're not illegal, and the signatures they get still count. But evidence suggests that the emphasis on gathering as many raw signatures as possible, a kind of scorched-earth signature gathering, leads to other problems, problems with real consequences. In Nevada, for instance, citizens can write in to the Secretary of State and have their names formally removed from a petition, even after it's been submitted. And in the recalls, more than 2,000 people did just that. And those revocations went a long way to defeating the recalls. And while there's no way to prove that behaviors by AMT led to those signature removals, and the Nevada Democratic Party campaigned hard to make sure people were aware of that option, It seems likely that these stories of misinformation and harassment played a part. 
Scorched earth signature gathering can also lead to a situation where canvassers are more concerned with signature quantity over quality. When those signatures come under a scrupulous review, that can also be a problem. In Nevada, more than 3,000 signatures were invalidated when it was revealed they came from citizens who were constitutionally ineligible to sign. That means, mostly, that they either didn't live in the right district or hadn't voted in the right election. You'd think able and well-informed canvassers would know to ask voters those questions and concentrate their efforts on eligible signers, but they didn't. And by the end of the court battle over those petitions, the amount of rejected, ineligible signatures brought the total below the minimum threshold. Meaning, even if those 2,000 Nevadans hadn't had their names removed, AMT's practices still caused the petition to fail. On July 9th, the district court struck the Montana Green Party from the ballot, removing dozens of improperly submitted signatures and bringing the petition below the minimum requirements. 36 of those signatures were removed because of sworn testimony by two witnesses that the man who signed the petition affidavits saying he collected their signatures was not in fact the person who collected their signatures. They reported that a woman acting alone took down their names. That woman didn't turn in a single petition affidavit. The court invalidated all signatures gathered by the man who turned in the false petition, stating that there was no way to know if he had in fact gathered any of the signatures he claimed to. 30 more signatures were struck because they didn't have a valid signature, which largely means that the voter printed their name but left the line for a signature empty. It may seem finicky, but regulations for signature gatherers make clear that a voter must sign in a cursive script for an acceptable signature, and that without an acceptable signature, the person cannot be counted. Common sense would indicate that a professional signature gatherer should be aware that a petition needs to have a valid signature and that they shouldn't falsely claim signatures they didn't collect. But AMT's practices place so much emphasis on raw signatures obtained through whatever means necessary that they open the door for improper behavior and failed petitions. It cost them in Nevada, and it could still cost them here. Aside from the shared behaviors and tactics of some AMT canvassers, the Nevada recalls share another similarity with the Montana Green Party petition, one that's more thematic than anything. Both campaigns were these somewhat outside-the-box movements that relied on the power of signature petitions to achieve their goals. And reporting this episode, I remembered something that Matt Maskey told me a couple weeks ago. If you listen to the first episode, you'll remember that Matt is a canvasser who worked on the Green Party petition. And when I was talking to him a little while ago for our first episode, he told me this. So there have been countless studies that have been done showing the effectiveness of radio ads, TV ads, direct mail, uh, email, you know, things like that. And what it comes right down to is the single most effective way to get something done is one-on-one human interaction. Looking at these two cases... It seems kind of true. You know, the Constitution guarantees the right to petition the government. And when petitions are properly run and successful, they can be a powerful way to enact civic or political change. That power can be weaponized really effectively and can be used in ways that have far-reaching consequences. When the Nevada Republican Party fought so fiercely to recall these senators, it wasn't for anything they'd done while in office because it had been less than a year since they'd been elected. But 
they may have had a goal in mind that was much longer term. Whichever party controls state governments in 2020 will oversee redistricting in their states based on new census results and can redraw districts in ways that preserve their electoral power in a process you've probably heard of called gerrymandering. Republicans lost their control over both legislative houses in the 2016 election, and they needed to win back their majority in order to have control over that process. But Nevada was changing. The solid Democratic victories in 2016 led many to believe that the state was turning more permanently blue, and this Hail Mary recall effort was the only chance they'd get to retake control. So both parties went in and fought hard. The Democrats pumped money into the state to fight recalls. We filed a lawsuit, for instance, in Nevada um, to say that that is inappropriate, unconstitutional. They won last year, fair and square. What are the Republicans trying to do? They're trying to recall them, even though they've done nothing wrong. Uh, we're, we've made a six-figure investment in that race as well. That's former Attorney General Eric Holder and current DNC Chairman Tom Perez, both bragging about the Democratic efforts to fight this recall. Because you know what? The new DNC is active everywhere. The Republican recall efforts had institutional support too. While the Republican governor of the state did not support the petition, the recall was represented in court by the state's Republican lieutenant governor. And the petition efforts, including AMT's signature gathering, were funded by the Republican State Leadership Committee. This was a real fight with lots of money and supported by the national arms of both parties. The Green Party campaign in Montana has similarly broad implications. Democrats nationwide see an opportunity to possibly retake control of both the House and the Senate, and both parties are fighting tooth and nail for every seat they think is competitive. On primary election ballots, Green Party candidates got just over 1,500 votes, and if they end up in the general election, they could draw even more. In November, both the House and Senate seat are up for grabs in Montana, and both races are expected to be very close, close enough that those 1,500 votes could have a real impact. It cost a lot of money to fund advanced micro-targeting efforts in Montana. And it's cost a lot of money since then to litigate the results of those efforts. And that could tell us that both major parties think those 1,500 votes are worth a lot. Paid signature gathering campaigns are professional and incredibly efficient. And when they're done right, you don't really hear about it at all. Large political interests can use petitioning to gather quiet but effective policy victories. And in a cutthroat political climate, those victories are often worth the cost. But when things go wrong and people hear about it, as they did in Nevada and here in Montana, we can use that opportunity to learn more about these campaigns and the people who mastermind them. The Secretary of State's appeal of the district court ruling that knocked the Green Party off the ballot is expected to be heard and decided by the Montana Supreme Court within a week of this episode's airing. So we'll be back soon with more coverage as the fate of the Montana Green Party is decided. Thanks for listening.